Chapter Two of Nobody's Man by E. Phillips Oppenheim. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Matt Berard. Chapter Two. Tallente's first impressions of Jane Partington were that an exceedingly attractive but somewhat imperious young woman had surprised him in a most undignified position she had come cantering down the drive on a horse which by comparison with the exmoor ponies which every one rode in those parts had seemed gigantic and finding a difficulty in making her presence known had motioned to him with her whip he climbed down from the steps where he had been busy fastening up some roses removed a nail from his mouth and came towards her how is it that i can make no one hear she asked do you know if mrs tallente is at home tallente was in no hurry to reply he was busy taking in a variety of pleasant impressions notwithstanding the severely cut riding habit and the hard little hat he decided that he had never looked into a more attractively feminine face for some occult reason unconnected he was sure with the use of any skin food or face cream this young woman who had the reputation of living out of doors winter and summer had a complexion which notwithstanding its faint shade of tan would have passed muster for delicacy and clearness in any mayfair drawing-room her eyes were soft and brown her hair a darker shade of the same colour her mouth for all its firmness was soft and pleasantly curved her tone though a trifle imperative was kindly gracious and full of musical quality her figure was moderately slim but indistinguishable at that moment under her long coat she possessed a curious air of physical well-being the well-being of a woman who has found and is enjoying what she seeks in life won't you tell me why i can make no one hear she repeated still good-naturedly but frowning slightly at his silence mrs tallente is in london he announced she has taken most of the establishment with her the visitor fumbled in her side pocket and produced a diminutive ivory case she withdrew a card and handed it to tallente with a glance of his gloved hands will you give this to the butler she begged tell him to tell his mistress that i was sorry not to find her at home the butler tallente explained has gone for the milk he shall have the card immediately on his return she looked at him for a moment and then smiled do forgive me she said i believe you are mr tallente he drew off his gloves and shook hands how did you guess that he asked from the illustrated papers of course she answered i have come to the conclusion that you must be a very vain man i have seen so many pictures of you lately a matter of snapshots he replied for which as a rule the victim is not responsible you should abjure such a journalistic vice as picture papers why she laughed they lead to such pleasant surprises i had been led to believe for instance by studying the daily mirror that you were quite an elderly person with a squint i am becoming self-conscious he confessed won't you come in there is a boy somewhere about the premises who can look after your horse and i shall be able to give you some tea as soon as robert gets back with the milk he cooed 
to the boy who came up from one of the lower shelves of garden and she followed him into the hall he looked around him for a moment in some perplexity i wonder whether you would mind coming into my study he suggested i am here quite alone for the present and it is the only room i use she followed him down a long passage into a small apartment at the extreme end of the house you are like me she said i keep most of my room shut up and live in my den a lonely person needs so much atmosphere rather pigsty isn't it he remarked sweeping a heap of books from a chair i am without a secretary just now in fact he went on with a little burst of confidence engendered by her friendly attitude we are in a mess altogether she laughed softly leaning back amongst the cushions of the chair and looking around the room her kindly eyes filled with interest it is a most characteristic mess she declared i am sure an interviewer would give anything for this glimpse into your tastes and habits golf clubs all cleaned up and ready for action trout rod newly waxed at the joints you must try my stream there is no water in yours tennis rackets in a very excellent press i wonder whether you're too good for a single with me some day typewriter rather dusty i don't believe that you can use it i can't he admitted i have been writing my letters by hand for the last two days she sighed men are helpless creatures fancy a great politician unable to write his own letters what has become of your secretary tallente threw some books to the floor and seated himself in the vacant easy-chair i shall begin to think he said a little querulously that you don't read the newspapers my secretary according to that portion of the press which guarantees to provide full value for the smallest copper coin has disappeared really she exclaimed he or she he the honourable anthony palliser by name son of stobart palliser who was at eton with me she nodded i expect i know his mother what exactly do you mean by disappeared tallente was looking out of the window a slight hardness had crept into his tone and manner he had the air of one reciting a story the young man and i differed last tuesday night he said in the language of the novelists you walked out into the night and disappeared only an hour before dinner too nothing has been heard of him since what a fatuous thing to do she remarked shall you have to get another secretary presently he assented just for the moment i am rather enjoying doing nothing she leaned back amongst the cushions of her chair and looked across at him with interest an interest which presently drifted into sympathy even the lightness of his tone could not mask the inwritten weariness of the man the tired droop of the mouth and the lacklustre eyes do you know she said i have never been more intrigued than when i heard you were really coming down here last summer i was in scotland in fact i have been away every time the manor has been opened i am so anxious to know whether you like this part of the world i like it so much he replied that i feel like settling here for the rest of my life she shook her head you will never be able to do that she said at least not for many years the country will need so much of your time but it is delightful to think that you may come here for your holidays if you read the newspapers he remarked 
a little grimly you might not be so sure that the country is clamoring for my services she waved away his speech with a little gesture of contempt rubbish your defeat at hellsville was a matter of political jobbery anyone could see through that horlock ought never to have sent you there he ought to have found you a perfectly safe seat and of course he will have to do it he shook his head i am not so sure horlock resents my defeat almost as though it were a personal matter besides it is an age of young men lady jane young men she scoffed but you are young am i he answered a little sadly i am not feeling it just now besides there is something wrong about my enthusiasms they are becoming altogether too pastoral i am rather thinking of taking up the cultivation of roses and of making a terraced garden down to the sea do you know anything about gardening lady jane of course i do she answered a little impatiently a very excellent hobby it is for women and dreamers and elderly men there is plenty of time for you to take up such a pursuit when you have finished your work fifteen thousand intelligent voters have just done their best to tell me that it is already finished he sighed she made a little grimace am i going to be disappointed in you i wonder she asked i don't think so you surely wouldn't let a little affair like one election drive you out of public life it was so obvious that you were made the victim for horlock's growing unpopularity in the country haven't you realized that yourself or perhaps you don't care to talk about these things to an ignoramus such as i am please don't believe that he begged hastily i think yours is really the common-sense view of the matter only he went on i have always represented amongst the coalitionists the moderate socialist the views of those men who recognize the power and force of the coming democracy and desire to have legislation attuned to it yet it was the democratic vote which upset me at housefield that was entirely a matter of faction she persisted that horrible person miller was sent down there for some reason or other to make trouble i believe that the election had been delayed another week and you had been able to make two more speeches like you did at the corn exchange you would have got in he looked at her in some surprise that is exactly what i thought myself he agreed how on earth do you come to know all these things i take an interest in your career she said smiling at him and i hate to see you so dejected without cause you felt a little thrill at her words a queer new sense of companionship stirred in his pulses the bitterness of his suppressed disappointment was suddenly soothed there was something of the excitement of the discoverer too in these new sensations it seemed to him that he was finding something which had been choked out of his life and which was yet a real and natural part of it you will make an awful nuisance of me if you don't mind he warned her if you encourage me like this you will develop the most juvenile of all failings you will make me want to talk about myself i am beginning to feel terribly egotistical already she leaned a little towards him her mouth was soft with sweet and feminine tenderness her eyes warm with kindness that is just what i hoped i might succeed in doing she declared i have been interested in your career ever since i had the faintest idea of what politics meant 
you could not give me a greater happiness than to talk to me about yourself End of chapter two